We didn't have to, 30 years ago, market our volunteer fire department. We didn't have to look for recruits and candidates to come come in and join our ranks. Enchanted Sky Media. 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 Code 3, the podcast for firefighters. Now, here's your host, Scott Orr. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me on Code 3. It's a well-known fact that most of the firefighters in the U.S. are volunteers, by a wide margin. And it's also no secret that their numbers are dwindling. Here to talk about that, what it means, and how we can stop the hemorrhaging is Kevin Quinn. He's the chairman of the National Volunteer Fire Council. He recently retired as deputy chief of the Union Fire District in South Kingston, Rhode Island. Now he's volunteering again. Kevin has served on the NVFC board of directors for over 30 years as an alternate director for Rhode Island. Kevin Quinn, welcome to Code 3. Thank you, Scott Orr. I appreciate the opportunity to be on Code 3 and certainly uh, talk about the volunteer fire service in America. As you stated, there's also a no secret that there's a diminishing factor of volunteers in America. And uh, I'm here today to state that it's not all doom and gloom, for sure, because we've got some great opportunities. It's tough to be a firefighter. Why do people volunteer for this job in the first place? Well, you take a look at the history of uh, the fire service and the volunteers. Um, many times, if you just think about the community, the, the volunteer fire department served as a hub of every every community, the small town community, not the big metro cities, but uh, in most of America, it is smaller towns and, and populations that are less than you know, those big metro areas. So if you take a look at the history, we were generationally built in the fire service. Your father was a fire volunteer. Your your grandfather was a volunteer. And that's pretty much the way the uh, service kind of went, operated for years. Today, that's not the case. Today in America, um, there's there's a lot of changes in the demographics. There's a lot of changes in the uh, rural America. Uh, young people are transitioning out of those small areas and, and moving on to where the jobs are. Um, there's people that have two two uh, incomes, uh, two two and three jobs for some of these folks that are trying to kind of make ends meet. But uh, we also look at the fire service and the fire service leadership, and I think that's really where we see some changes that we have to take and uh, change the model, Scott, of what we're doing today. We didn't have to 30 years ago. Or even, this is my 42nd year, 42 years ago, we didn't have to market our volunteer fire departments. We didn't have to look for recruits and candidates to come come in and join our ranks. We kind of served as that hub of the community, and people wanted to be a part of it in years past. Today, fire service leaders, and uh, I know your, your followers, your listeners, are, are pretty much in the fire service. Uh, we need to change the way we do business. We need to market our volunteer fire department, uh, something that we're not comfortable with uh, in the years past. We didn't have to sell ourselves. Now we do. We have to sell ourselves because, number one, 
Many residents don't even know that you're a volunteer fire department in many communities throughout, throughout America. So we, we have to kind of make sure that they're aware that, number one, we are volunteers and we're seeking quality candidates. The second piece of that is, um, you know, in the past, just think about it, uh, Scott, an alarm would come in, we'd hear it maybe through horns in the community or a paging system or whatever we had. We would leave the Little League game or the birthday party and we'd go to the station, get the apparatus, or in some cases, years ago, we'd go right to the scene and uh, take care of business, mitigate the scene, and then we would return back to the station, set the apparatus up for the next call, and then go back to the birthday party. Right, and that's, that's part of the problem these days, as I've heard it described. I know of a chief here who's in charge of a career fire department. He's been asked to use volunteers, and he's told those people, all right, you own a business. Are you willing to let your employees leave to go on a run? Well, no. Well, then how can you expect me to get volunteers if people like you won't let them go do the job? Right, and that, you know, years ago, businesses allowed folks to leave to volunteer to to a cause. Today, liability kind of kicks in there, and that business uh, has to run their business so that they sustain and, and protect themselves. And having their employee out doing something on their time creates a liability situation. So that's so. Therefore, we are changing the model, Scott. And and some of the uh, fire departments have to realize that we have to change the way we do business. So how do we do that? Well, one one progressive step is is uh, that, that counter to that statement from that business owner you just used as an example. We have to run duty shifts, you know, run duty shifts where, you know, we're setting up on the days off that folks have or the times off that folks have that they are manning a, a volunteer fire department, mostly during that daytime response where the problems exist in terms of uh, capabilities and resources availability. So we have duty shifts running Monday through Friday during those uh, those daytime hours. And people that are available, they can kind of sign up for those duty shifts and be available. And, and then you're pretty much manning your station as a volunteer. The second, and I find so exciting component, Scott, is our push for the military veterans returning from from war. And there's so many veterans right now that are that are unemployed. And they're struggling in many cases. So the uh, the career departments work with a, an organization such as the Patty Brown Project, which get, helps um, military service personnel that are coming back from our wars. It helps them get career jobs in, in the fire service and also in law enforcement. There's a, the preference is there for them to get those jobs. Well, there's not enough jobs, obviously, for all those military uh, veterans that are coming back. So we're pushing hard on the veteran populations that have returned to their communities, probably not working in an interim, and we're looking to get them in to join us as volunteer firefighters. We're finding great results on two fronts. One is it gives the veterans a, a sense of purpose, a return to their community, a sense of value. And the second piece is, is that the skill sets that they bring in from the military just fit in hand-in-hand because we are a paramilitary service in the fire service. So the veterans is a big plus for what we're looking to do to help them as they're waiting now to get permanent employment and many times in fire service jobs as well. So Uh we're looking at some of those other options, Scott. 
it's not all doom and gloom, like I said. We've got some real good, exciting matters going on. One thing I'd like to push out is the National Volunteer Fire Council, MVFC, has a makemeafirefighter.org campaign, which really sets up, if you're if, if pushing to the veterans or minorities or women in the fire service, anyone that's out there and you're listening, uh, reigns. The makemeafirefighter.org campaign is a uh, recruitment and retention campaign that operates by a zip code. So if you're interested in joining your local volunteer fire department or a local volunteer fire department, you just plug in some information and you can kind of match up and get connected with those fire service leaders. On the opposite side of that, for the fire service leaders, those fire chiefs and and other uh, designees, you can then set up and create your own uh, brochures and campaigns for your local recruitment and retention of volunteers in your community. So makemeafirefighter.org, great resource out there to help connect and build that need for those 69% of that of America that serve as volunteer firefighters. Now, what can volunteer departments do about the situation where they get someone all trained up and then that person goes off to a career department? How can they retain them working as a volunteer? Tough question, Scott. Um, as a, you know, again, we, in my own department, I'll kind of answer from that site. Um, you know, we have eight volunteer fire stations in my community in uh, South Kingstown, Rhode Island, with the Union Fire District. We are a breeding ground for career firefighters, and we know that's what we are. Uh, we lose a number of, uh, of volunteers every year to career, to the career side. Um, we, in fact, have for years helped them grow help them mold and help them prepare to become career firefighters uh, in, in Rhode Island and beyond. Uh, we even went, went to the point where we did mock interviews for our volunteers to help them get career jobs. So we do work hand-in-hand hand with the career service. Right? Obviously, some, some career departments, once um, a firefighter is in their, in their uh, ranks, they don't want them to volunteer back in their home. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that we do lose. We do lose in some states, uh, through, uh, some of those, um, departments that don't really want their firefighters going back and serving as volunteers. So what we have to do, we have to counter that, Scott, by kind of, um, again, going back and marketing, looking at our own local demographics. What are, what, what folks are out there that are available? And, We've seen a, a huge influx of women in the volunteer ranks. When you look at the fire service, which I know you know well because that's what you do, um, you look at um, where are the fire calls. Well, we're not as many fires as we used to in America, which is a good thing. Right. The calls we're getting, many of them, uh, the influx we're seeing is we're seeing an influx of medical calls. So a lot of the volunteer fire departments are running medicals as well, which is, a, again, a, a downside because the call volumes are going up for a lot of the volunteers. But we have to kind of market. We have to recruit better. We have to be better leaders. We have to be able to um, tap into what I call the boots on the ground, volunteers that are out there. Um, the research that we've conducted in the MVFC shows that um, the uh, next generation of volunteer firefighters is interested in, in, in volunteering in the fire service. We just have to kind of get our local leaders in those rural departments and, and beyond to be able to market 
change their model a little bit differently and be able to kind of sell with their pride that they have in their in their fire departments to be able to bring in more bodies. We may not be able to replace um, them with the skill sets that we're losing to the career departments, but we can train over time and bring them up to speed. Now, I don't want to be doom and gloom, as you said, but I will ask this. What happens to a community that's served by a volunteer department when there aren't enough volunteers? Well, it is up to the community, a local jurisdiction, uh, having control over protection of their citizens, that they do operate and provide the resources that they need, whatever is necessary within that jurisdiction. So... If you if you uh, have done a needs assessment or you know done some community risk uh, reduction, take a look at your community as a whole, and I believe you have to kind of find out where your gaps are. With that gap analysis, then you're going to have to find solutions on the local level, and that local level may mean, like I said earlier, maybe they need to run duty shifts and maybe they need to bring people in from surrounding communities, because when you look at the um, look at the volunteer fire service in general, many places operate with bylaws, which I'm sure you're familiar with, within their department. And I could go back a few years um, in one department in, in, a, in a state that had a set of bylaws that said that in order to be a volunteer, you must be a, a homeowner in town. And if you think about that, it's, it's, today you can't operate with that bylaw. Well, that that seems like it's kind of artificial anyway. I mean, if people want to volunteer, why limit them? Right, and that's what we have to do. We kind of have to open our boundaries as as uh, volunteer fire departments. And and changing the model means maybe operating differently than we did. If you the question is, if you don't have the resources within your within your community to protect your community, then maybe you need to bring resources in. And I don't mean just uh, mutual aid or automatic aid. I mean you might have to recruit beyond the, the, the town lines, if you will, and maybe operate on, on duty shifts during the day, uh, daytime response, and, and protect your citizens. Each community has an obligation to protect their citizens in the fire service and EMS world. Now, I represent over one million volunteer and EMS providers in the nation, and uh, I'm, I'm telling you, we have to change the way we're doing business, but there are solutions out there. The MVFC is here with with um, many, many resources, initiatives, like the Make Me a Firefighter.org campaign. It's just one, one set. All right, Kevin Quinn, thanks for joining us on Code 3 today. All right, I appreciate the opportunity. You be safe, Scott, and thank you so much for the, for the uh time with you today. We've put some more information on the National Volunteer Fire Council and volunteering in general on our website, code3podcast.com slash volunteers. Check it out. Now here's Holly. Thanks, Scott. If you haven't become a patron of Code 3 yet, now's your chance. All you do is click on the Patreon link on our website, code3podcast.com. You can make a monthly pledge to support the podcast. We want to make this the best show we can, but we need you to join us. What's Code 3 worth to you? A dollar a month? Five? Ten? Maybe more. And when you pledge, we have some nice rewards for you. So don't wait. Do it today. And become a patron of Code 3 right now. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more. 
I'm Scott Orr, and until then, we'll see you later. Code 3 is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To get in contact with us, visit Code3Podcast.com. And if you haven't subscribed yet, you should. Don't miss an episode. Find us at the Apple iTunes Store, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. 